Do you ever notice how some people seem to attract success? They seem polished, poised, and confident in any situation. Were they simply born this way? Chances are, no, they weren't. They've simply been taught the rules of etiquette and business protocol and have picked up the soft skills that allow them to seamlessly guide and influence others. Today, I am joined in the courtesy block by Nancy O'Brien, who, after an award-winning career in hospitality and destination marketing, founded the Magnetic Truth Advisory, which is a personal performance advisory dedicated to assisting clients in successfully navigating corporate and social landscapes with the necessary skills and confidence to achieve personal and professional goals. Nancy shares how her 25 years of working in sales and leadership roles for some of the biggest names in hospitality taught her the skills that continually propelled her onward and upward. She also shares some helpful hints that we can all use as we learn to not only adapt, but thrive in our new normal. Grab a pen and get ready to be pulled into my conversation with Nancy O'Brien. I'm Jen Salerno, and this is The Courtesy Block, a chip off the room block podcast. Hello, Room Block Podcast listeners, and thanks so much for joining me for another episode. This is a Courtesy Block episode featuring Nancy O'Brien, industry icon. I think a lot of you are familiar with her name. I certainly have known Nancy for many years, and I'm so pleased to have her on the show to talk about what she's been up to lately. So Nancy, welcome to the show. Hi, Jen. It's wonderful to be with you and your listeners. Thank you so much for the opportunity and a big congratulations to you on the launch of the Room Block Podcast. Thank you, Nancy. It's been quite a ride. I've been having a lot of fun, so. I can tell. <laughs> Please to have you join in the party. So Nancy, as I mentioned, you have been in the, in, well, you were in the hospitality industry for a long time and we had the chance to work together while I was at the Sheridan Chicago, and you were working for Tishman at the time, I believe, when I was there. But could you take us through your story? How did you get started in the industry? And bring us to where you are today. What are you doing? Absolutely, Jen. Well, you know, I attended DePaul University, go Blue Demons, and I hold a bachelor's degree in marketing. And, you know, Looking back to those graduation days and fast forwarding a few decades, I've gained a world-class sales and marketing experience in hospitality, destination marketing, and consumer brands involving senior sales and leadership positions at Garrett Brands, White Lodging, Tishman Hotel Corporation, Choose Chicago, and Starwood Hotels and Resorts. So, you know, over the years, like you, I hustled and participated in industry organizations, honed my account management, negotiations, sales, leadership skills, learned the importance of relationships, which we know in this business is everything. It's your reputation. Oh, yes. And delivered on what I promised. Um, you know, as a salesperson, and I know part of your history has been in convention services, mm -hmm. and you know what it's like to get that contract. to be like, what? We, we don't have those suites. And, and how did she? Well, <laughs> oh, I, was one yes. of, I was one of those salespeople that inherited some of those contracts early on. And I thought, oh, my gosh, how did this happen? You know, I, I was determined not to let that happen to me. So um, it's all about the 
reputation and once again, I think delivering on your promise. So along the way, I had some really wonderful mentors. I'm sure you know um, the icon Kathy Kosminski with Ally. Oh, um, yes. I began my career with Kathy at White Lodging in Northwest Indiana at the Star Plaza, which no longer exists. But she and I were there and, you know, I learned from the best and she was one of them. Deborah Sexton at Choose Chicago and PCMA and Kim Greca with Tishman Hotels were just some of the mentors that really brought me along in my career and really made a difference. And really one position led to the next. And when I look at my experience and my responsibilities, they all continued to grow. And that allowed me to become a subject matter expert on meetings and conventions, trade shows, global and business to business sales. So I like to say your past leads you to your present and the magnetic truth is about finding your way. And so I'd like to share my journey because as I look back, there are a lot of dots that get connected that bring me to where I am today. Mm. And the magnetic truth, that is your current company, correct? That is correct. It's a personal performance advisory. So I'm going to take you back a few decades. It all began at the Star Plaza, as I mentioned. I started in the theater group sales department and literally had a backstage pass to the entertainment of the world. You name it, the Oak Ridge Boys, uh, Anita Baker. It was thrilling. And I was selling theater memberships to CEOs of companies and group ticket blocks. And it was just really a great education. And I was new to it right out of college. And so I really looked at the leaders around me and started to emulate what they were doing. Um, so a year after doing the group ticket sales and membership sales, uh, they recruited me to go to the hotel side of the operation. So then I was getting involved in meetings and conventions. And it was really exciting, and that's where I really got to know Kathy. And at the time, I was engaged to be married. And I was living in Chicago and commuting to Northwest Indiana, and I knew that that commute was not going to serve me well <laughs> as I uh, became uh, a newlywed. So fortunately, I had a good reputation uh, with the Star Plaza, and my director of sales and marketing knew the pre-opening director of sales and marketing at the Sheraton. And he said, Nancy, I really think you should talk to Steve Powell and you should interview for the job. Well, that's a big jump from going from Northwest Indiana to downtown Chicago to yes. <laughs> the newest convention hotel to be built in mm, a few decades. Right. So literally, Jen, 60 days to the day I was married, I started at the Sheraton on the pre-opening team. What an experience to open a hotel and enjoy a nine-year tenure filled with top hospitality professionals. We hosted the Democratic National Convention and the hotel was actually dubbed the White House of the Midwest because not only Clinton but also Gore stayed under our roof during the convention. And the reason for that was because it was a new build property the Secret Service loved the layout and said, hey, this is the best place to protect both of you. And so once again, we were dubbed the White House of the Midwest. And 
World Cup soccer came to the city and I bid on that and worked with those individuals. All along I was getting promotions, handling new territories and managing people. It was an amazing experience meeting people from across the globe in a myriad of industries and selling a phenomenal hotel in a city that we love. Now that said, the Sheraton exposed me to a high level of executives, dignitaries, and thought leaders. Succeeding in the sales global economy required a, a lot. You had to show up, you had to work hard, you had to hustle, but you also needed solid communication and negotiation skills and understanding the customs and norms of other countries. This is where I learned business etiquette provides the essential soft skills that ultimately separated the leaders from the left behinds. Hmm. A wise woman once told me, John, Nancy, the people who know the rules are the people who inevitably make the rules. The people that know the rules inevitably make the rules. And I thought about that and I thought it really rang true. It really does. And I can only imagine that your experience with the Sheridan was contributing just over and over to this insight. You know, it was just incredible because I was really exposed to just, just so many individuals and organizations. I mean, there's a association for everything, you know, yeah. worldwide, global corporations, CEOs coming in. Um, it, it was really just culturally, culturally very eye-opening. So it was really while I was at the Sheraton Gen that I became fascinated by etiquette and protocol and the subtle nature of norms and behavior. And, you know, pondered maybe one day I would actually start my own business. But at the time, you know, I had a young family, my career was going well, working with the Sheraton, of course, you liaised with the A-team at SHU Chicago, then known as the Chicago Convention and Tourism Bureau, okay. mm -hmm. which of course was led by none other than Deborah Sexton at the time. And we together secured a lot of business for the city as well as for the Sheraton. So after building a strong relationship with that team, it was only natural that I finally said yes after they asked me a few times. <laughs> I just like, wasn't quite. When you coming over? <laughs> and I was so flattered, but I was like, I just I love the Sheraton, and but I'm like, okay, it's nine years, it's it's time, yeah. and I knew I was going to be going from a you know meetings and convention property to representing a, a global city. Mm -hmm. Huge responsibility. <laughs> oh, that too. Yeah, big goals, that's for sure. Mm -hmm. uh, it was a tremendous opportunity, Jen, to truly be an ambassador for the city and hone my skills and learn about the multi-million, excuse me, multi-billion dollar trade show industry handling accounts such as National Restaurant Association, American Association for Microbiology, American Heart Association. I mean, these were big meetings that previously I might just have a room block at, at the Sheraton. Now I was overseeing their entire convention at McCormick Place and working with the sales and service team and the McCormick Place team to really make it happen. And, you know, ironically, while I was at Choose, I began to share my etiquette knowledge and was literally in the midst of a business etiquette presentation when we learned the Twin Towers were hit on 9-11. You're kidding. I think we all remember where we were. 
and it was that it was that weekly sales and service meeting and it was my opportunity to address the group and really talk about business etiquette and how it really made a difference in, in how we carried ourselves and how we were perceived and how that really parlayed into representing a world-class city. So I loved working at Choose Chicago and I thought I would be there for many years. And Tishman Hotel Corporation, the owners of the Sheraton, came calling and you know how people approach you and you you don't want to burn a bridge and you don't want to say no so you agreed in the meeting because who knows i went to dinner at the uh, hilton o'hare just thinking it was going to be a very social fun evening only to walk out knowing that i would be resigning very soon because oh. literally they offered me the job on the spot oh my gosh so very exciting but you know very um you know, made me nervous at the time. It's always a little daunting to resign from something that you enjoy and move on to something new. But what a compliment to you to have it offered to you on the spot. You must have wowed them with your business acumen. <laughs> <laughs> I, I believe I did. Plus, they, they knew me previously from my nine years at the Sheraton. So I think that that certainly helped them know the commodity that they were getting. So, you know, becoming an area director for Tishman and representing their portfolio of Starwood branded hotels in New York, Chicago, Orlando, and Puerto Rico was just another step up, you know, convention hotel to a destination marketing organization to a global hotel company. Yes. So from there, the next 12 years were an amazing whirlwind representing a world-class ownership group of a global hotel company, working with a distributed sales team. We had people that I led in New York, Chicago, Orlando, Puerto Rico. And Jen, we hosted epic events, including a Kennedy White House State Dinner. Uh, we, we traveled and, and presented the portfolio in tandem with our Starway Global representation. The travel was amazing. The people I met uh, shaped my life. Along the way, I, I continued to, to grow in my role. and maintained some wonderful awards uh, given out by Starwood. So during this time, I continued to mentor and coach others on executive presence and etiquette and protocol by hosting what we called at the time lunch and learns or, you know, brown bag sales meetings. Oh, yeah. And we dubbed them, John, the lipstick jungle. <laughs> the lipstick jungle. Okay. The, the lipstick jungle. So I have to ask you, are you familiar with the book? by Candace Bushnell, who also authored Sex in the City. Well, I'm extremely familiar with Sex in the City. It's like my favorite show of all time, and I still watch it whenever I can. <laughs> um, I have not read the book, though. Well, the book I had not read either, but uh, the book was a subsequent TV drama about three female executives who were each each other's mentors and confidants from the boardroom to the family room. And when I was reading the book, I thought to myself, wow, these are three women in, in three very different industries who are friends and are their, their own confidants, the ones who they share their war stories with, their challenges. And it made me think we really need this in our industry, not just for the females, but for the males and for everyone. 
That sounds so cool. So when you were hosting these brown bags um, or the, you know, the lunch and learn type thing, did you have any idea at the time that you would be <laughs> taking this and, and turning it into a business? To be honest with you, I didn't. I was so immersed in you know, traveling to the different locations, working with the sales teams. And you know, because I was, if you will, remote to all of those teams, mm -hmm. it really was important that while I was there, I was present and I was interacting with them. So reading this book highlighted for me the need to start a forum and to share these breakfast practices and experiences with colleagues and professionals. And in doing so, I learned others were thirsty for the same coaching and mentorship. I bet. It was great. I had a lot of people come up to me and ask me to be their mentor, which was a huge compliment. And soon after, I was charged with coaching others on the team because leadership would asked me to get involved and to really talk about how you can best conduct yourself, not only in meetings, but in sales trips, entertaining with others, etc. So you were basically the unofficial, <laughs> unofficial magnetic truth trainer at the time. You just didn't really realize it. <laughs> I, I guess you are right. And I, I didn't know it. So um, 12 years with uh, Tishman and Starwood, a wonderful experience, uh, further honing my skills in leadership and negotiations and, and making wonderful relationships along the way. And my next stop was Garrett Brands. So I have to ask you, what is your favorite flavor of Garrett popcorn? Oh, Nancy, it's hard to choose. I, But I'm like, love this the salty sweet combination. So I'm gonna have to go with the Chicago blend or is that what it's called? Well, there's a long story behind it, which okay. I will bore you with, but it's actually called the Garrett Mix. Garrett Mix, okay. The Garrett Mix. So um, I was charged to join a team and build the business to business division there. And it was really ironic because I carried the product to the surprise and delight of my customers and colleagues for years, never imagining that they had a headquarters on Michigan Avenue, and one day I'd be working at their corporate headquarters. That's so funny. <laughs> it really is. Sometimes you just never know mm -mm. Where, where, where the road will take you. So my consultative sales experiences and connections to a variety of hotel brands, you know, I knew people with Hilton and Hyatt and Marriott and you name it. And then, of course, I had a wonderful group of relationships within the association and the corporate market. So these were an excellent match for the task. You know, we had a wonderful team there at Garrett and after successfully launching the business to business division and two holiday seasons under my belt, I was ready to take a breath and build my next adventure. Excellent. Okay. So how long ago was that now? I left Garrett in uh, 2017. 2017. Okay. All right. So pre-pandemic, pre-all of this time. Absolutely. So literally, I took a breath. I took a sabbatical. Other than my you know, two maternity leaves for my two sons and some vacations in between, I really had worked hard and, and long hours. And so I took a break. 
I did some travel, a lot of reading, connecting with some people I hadn't caught up with in a while, and I started consulting and providing sales training, including business development assignments and assisting destination marketing organizations with convention marketing strategies. And it was going along very well. And you know, I always had this interest in etiquette and protocol, but I was really never formally trained. So in late 2019, I earned my license in intercultural etiquette and protocol from the renowned Protocol School of Washington. And in 2020, I rebranded my consultancy to the Mandan Truth. Oh, fantastic. Okay, so explain the name, the magnetic truth. I love it. Absolutely. And it's a very common question. So <laughs> the magnetic truth is a personal performance advisory. And we take our inspiration from navigation. What does it take to get from point A to point B? True north is a fixed point on a map and magnetic north pulls with attraction. You need both to find your way, magnetic and true. Thus the name, the magnetic truth. Ooh, that is very cool. I love it. And you know, it's, it's, it's so true. It sounds like your business, you're kind of diving into some of those, those nuances that you know, really kind of help shape somebody's being and somebody's skills that you, know, you don't necessarily inherently know, right? I mean, there's, there are things that, that we have come to be attracted to, <laughs> thus the, you know, the pulling, <laughs> the magnetic pull, right? What does it take to have that mag magnetism? And, and you have found out how to teach that. Absolutely. And, you know, formal education and experience goes a long way. But there are a lot of subtleties and there are actual rules that once you know, they allow you to feel comfortable. And Jen, when you're comfortable, you're confident. And when you're confident, you exude trust. Mm -hmm. So we coach our clients to build that trust and confidence by mastering those subtle yet critical interpersonal skills by enhancing the soft skills that literally hit hard on the bottom line. Ooh, I like that. And I think a lot of people listening like that too. It, it really, it shows, and I'll get a little bit more into that, but you know, our programs are actually geared towards individuals as well as groups interested in enhancing their self-confidence and their ability to interact with clients, coworkers, and colleagues with grace and savvy. We deal with college students, professional athletes that want to make their game off the field just as good as their game on the field. Mid to upper level and C-suite level executives, corporate sales teams are just some of the people that have contacted us to help them with their journey. That's incredible. What a, a diverse, amazing group of individuals. And I mean, it totally makes sense because these people might excel in what they do, but they also need to excel in how they interact as well. Absolutely. I'll give you an example. I had a client who was wicked smart. She graduated from an Ivy League school with a law degree. I would want her behind my defense desk in any courtroom in the country. 
However, this gal really didn't have a sense of presence. She had a very weak handshake. She didn't stand tall and erect. So she didn't exude that trust and confidence. So when she went on interviews, after interviews, and even though she was you know, highly recommended, had the, you know, the education, the GPA, the affiliation, she, she kept getting the thank you but no thank you to join these law firms. And she reached out and we had two to three sessions. She had a few more interviews and nothing excites me more than getting the phone call or the email that shows that they got the offer letter and they're on their way. Wow. Okay. Well, that is an amazing example of how you were able to help somebody. From you know fraternities to sororities to the corporate boardrooms to the penthouses to the palaces, we cover it all. Wow. Yeah, it sounds like it. So Nancy, is there a particular person or circumstance, you know, either personal or professional, either one, that played a part in influencing your interest in starting the Magnetic Truth? A person who was instrumental or influenced. Yes. Jen, I would say, uh, recalling an experience I had back when I worked for the Sheraton, early in my sales career, I had the opportunity to meet with Kathy Black, who then was the president of Hearst Magazine, publisher of Cosmopolitan, Harper's Ooh. Bazaar, L.O. And she was also the former president and publisher of the USA Today. Oh my gosh. Yeah, high powered to say the least. For so, sure. In addition, uh, years later, in 2008, I believe, she wrote a book. So once again, her name is Kathy Black. She wrote a book entitled Basic Black, The Essential Guide to Getting Ahead at Work and Life. And meeting her definitely influenced me. So the story was, Miss Black was coming to town to select a headquarter property for the National Newspaper Association's annual conference. Mm. It was actually um, the Newspaper Association of America's conference, so I want to be specific about that. So now, newspapers, Jen, were near and dear to me as my father, the late John O'Brien, was a prize-winning journalist and author who worked for the Chicago Tribune. Oh, how cool. Yes, so I just thought this would be a huge feather in my cap if I could secure the headquarters position for this great convention that had selected Chicago. So I was very nervous. I had not really met someone of this particular caliber before. Um, so I researched Miss Black. I spoke to her assistant to understand what her meeting objectives were. It all goes back to the research, you know, doing the work that goes in. and what her preferences would be for a turndown. I wanted to make sure she was comfortable because once again, when people are comfortable, they feel trust and confidence in the person that they're working for. And of course, I brushed up on my business etiquette skills. So this particular situation definitely sparked a flame of understanding those subtle yet critical nuances that really make a difference in whether you make that impression and perhaps make that sale. What a great experience and opportunity for you to kind of flex those skills and then see how it all played out. And how did it play out? Well, honestly, they did not pick the Sheraton, but it didn't have to do 
with the property itself. They had added additional square footage in their exhibit hall. The Hyatt had more space than we had. And so they were awarded the business. But I'll never forget that and will always remember her and her poise and just how gracious she was. Mm. Well, it's so great that you can look back to that moment in time and look at it as a key influence to where you are today. So thank you for sharing that story. I still have her book. Very cool. So business protocol, etiquette. Um, you know, these are things that I feel like we haven't had a chance to flex that much lately, <laughs> you know, because we haven't seen a lot of people in person. So virtually, what are some of the things that people can look out for? I mean, are we able to connect in the same way or to show confidence and trust in the same way virtually as well as in person? And if so, how can we do that? That's an excellent question, Jen. And you're right. Uh, the way we conducted business previously prior to the pandemic is so different during the pandemic. Our world is the lens of the camera. And so we really have to be able to connect through that particular lens. So I've actually created two different programs. One is called Zoom Makeover, Elevate Your Brand uh, with virtual meeting tips and tricks, as well as because so many people are furloughed, out of work, interviewing for new positions. Some of these individuals haven't had to interview for years, perhaps maybe not at all in their career. And it's competitive out there now. So we have the Zoom Makeover Elevate Your Brand with virtual meeting trips and tricks. And that includes some of the things that I'm gonna talk about in a minute, but you know, lighting, camera, sound, action, uh, along with a follow-up sheet on product information that corresponds to good lighting. You know, you don't need to make a big investment in the equipment, but a little bit of an investment goes a long way. So that's a 30 minute uh, session times two. And it's really popular with presenters as well as employees that wanna elevate their brand and be recognized and get that promotion while working remotely. The workforce, you know, I know my husband's company specifically, they haven't been back at the office for a year. And so, and none of them have met, uh, you know, off camera at all. It's all been via the phone and, and via the camera. And I'm finding that that's pretty much the norm with a lot of companies. Some corporate etiquettes won't even allow you to meet with a customer or a colleague uh, just to keep in line with the strict pandemic orders. So um, it's really important that you you know how to make that connection. And you know, especially people who you know want to get to that next phase in their career, they want to be able to, to connect and, and shine. And sometimes they find that through the, the virtual camera lens, it can be a challenge. So those per people particularly reach out and it's almost like doing media training. You know, people who are going to be working with the media, they know what to say, how to say it, how to best present themselves. And the networking piece of it, as I mentioned, is really popular with those who are furloughed. And um, as I also said, getting the um, 
the call saying, you know, I, I got the job or I got the promotion. And, you know, it's because I gained confidence through the tutorials that we went through really just makes me vibe. Oh, I can only imagine. What a reward for sure. So you talked about things like lighting and camera. And I, by the way, I just have to say the audience can't see, but I, I'm looking at Nancy and she looks amazing on screen. <laughs> the way she looks, I feel like I'm looking into a TV studio. So clearly, you know what you're talking about. <laughs> well, thank you, Jen. I am, as I mentioned earlier to you when we were speaking, it's my fourth uh, Zoom uh, virtual connection today. So I, I like to, and I really recommend to my clients too, it really helps to, if you can, um, organize your schedule so that you have days when you're on and days when perhaps you're not so on the camera because you know we all need a break uh, zoom fatigue is real it and is. it's best to set yourself up for success so speaking of um, some of the tips that I share with my clients I'll share with your listeners Ooh, thank and you. so I like to say check your set check your stage um, so the distance between the speaker and the camera will either limit or maximize the amount of space a person has to communicate and emit nonverbal information. If you're too close to the screen, this is going to only show your facial cues and your words. Positioning the camera in a way that allows you to view your torso and your arms and hands will allow you to best communicate. Typically, this is arm's length from the camera. So that's, that's my first tip. Always remember, you're the star and the eyes have it. Have you heard of the, the word smize, Jen? I have, I love it. <laughs> Absolutely, good old Tyra Banks, yeah. uh, I think coined that. And it, it's all about really smiling with your eyes. And when you only have a limited frame to convey yourself and to be perceived, the eyes really have it, especially when you're not on camera and you're wearing a mask. It's everything from, you know, the eyeballs up. Yep. I find myself in the grocery store smiling very hard to try to get <laughs> reach my eyes so people know that I'm smiling at them. <laughs> I feel goofy, but so it's the world we're in right now. <laughs> Absolutely. So when you're preparing for a virtual meeting, think about framing a photo of yourself. And what do you want people to see? You want them to be attracted and focused on you. You don't want them to be focused on your background and not hearing what you're saying. So you want to frame yourself so that you're centered, your eye level with the camera. It's so very important that you're looking at the audience rather than down at the gallery. Because so many people believe that if you're looking at the gallery, you're looking them in the eye. But the truth is, you're only looking them in the eye if you're looking dead center on the camera. And I find that very difficult. And you are so good at it. <laughs> I, I, I told Nancy earlier, I said, I feel like you're talking right at me. And I meant that in a, like the best possible way. I feel like she's right in front of me in person, even though she's just on a screen. But you are you have mastered that. Well, thank you. Let me tell you, it's taken a lot of practice, but my general rule, Jen, is to keep your eyes on the lens, 
90% of the time when you're presenting and use the additional 10% to look around and make sure your audience is smiling and following what you're saying. Hmm. A quick tip is to place an arrow or a dot near the camera lens to train your eyes on focusing there. Once again, eye contact is critical to building trust and confidence, increasing engagement, and elevating your personal brand. Excellent tips, especially because personal branding is so important right now for those of us who, you know, don't have a job title tied to our names anymore. Well, here's a, another quick tip that I really like to recommend as well. You know, when I talk about check your set, check your stage, it's easy to go on if you don't have a Zoom account. They're free uh, at certain levels, and the one I'm recommending serves the purpose. You know, register for a Zoom account, and if you really want to make sure your lighting looks good and that you're positioned in the middle of the camera and you don't have something distracting in your background, go ahead and schedule your own personal Zoom meeting. And if you're actually giving a presentation, go ahead and present on your own virtual one-on-one -on -one Zoom meeting and play the recording back. You can go ahead and, and edit, uh, pick up some cues that maybe you want to add or, or want to delete. And it's a great way to build your confidence. And all it takes is a free Zoom account and a little bit of time and practice. We have heard that when you're training to speak in front of people, that it is a good idea to record yourself and to practice. But it's like through Zoom, we've been given this extremely easy and free resource to do it. Excellent tip, thank you. I have a couple more to share with your audience. So we talked a little bit about gesturing. It's really important to keep it on the screen. Um, be sure that your hand gestures are within what your audience can see. If you're gesturing really large, it kind of gets annoying. And if you gesture too close to the lens, um, it really negates the spatial boundaries and it loses your audience. So um, once again, get that Zoom account, do some practicing. You're gonna feel so equipped and armored and ready to go and it'll show. And I really think, you know, one of the last tips, and, and there are so many more in our tutorials, but it's so important to use variety in your tone. You know, when we talk to friends or family, there's a lot of volume, pitch, inflection, sometimes even drama. And as humans... <laughs> sometimes, yeah. <laughs> yeah. As humans, our brains respond to vocal message tone before the verbal message is comprehended. So let me say that again. As humans, our brains respond to the vocal message tone before the verbal message is comprehended. So think about you know being a child and your parent is screaming. You know that they're angry and upset, and then you tune into what it's all about. Just like conversely, when someone is very happy and exuberant, you pick up on that and then you start to understand why. Mm, that is such a good point and so true. The nonverbal cues and even just the tone 
<laughs> that's crazy how it registers first, but you're absolutely right when you think about it. It truly makes a difference. And, and you know, there's a lot to keep in mind. And that's why I recommend to my clients practice. Um, the more you practice something, the more attuned you become at it. If you want to become better at tennis, you get a coach and you practice. You want to learn how to play the piano. You engage a piano teacher and you practice. So really in order to do your best, and especially if you're not a um, regular keynote speaker or presenter, um, you know, this has really thrown you into a whole new realm, but it really also gives you the opportunity to gain some wonderful skills that you will be served well with throughout your lifetime. Absolutely. That's so true. All of a sudden, we're going to have a whole new host of amazing keynote speakers after this <laughs> pandemic because everyone's going to have learned how to how to handle themselves speaking. So thank you for all of that. That was really helpful and wonderful tips. Those were all talking about our current state of things, which is still very much virtual. And I think will continue to be in some capacity, probably forever. But at some point, can we assume that we're going to be going back out into the world, back into offices, back into restaurants? You know, do you see an opportunity for people to brush up on skills that they haven't been using in a while? And are you able to help with those as well? That's a great question. And with the vaccines and people getting inoculated and getting kind of back to what will be our new normal, I think we're starting to see that in 2021, we will be getting back perhaps to the office and to socializing and doing business face to face. And, you know, it really comes down to we're all coming from different perspectives and personal experiences with COVID-19. Some of us have not contracted it. We know very few or maybe not anyone who's contracted the virus, let alone anyone who's been hospitalized or died. Others have become ill or hospitalized and perhaps even lost loved ones due to the virus. And then you have a combination of the two. So, that said, you know, in accordance with the direction from the CDC, the federal and local authorities, it's wise while interacting with others outside of our immediate family or pod to behave conservatively. So what does that mean? We're all so hungry for that personal interaction. On a side note, I was getting my hair cut a few weeks ago, you know, masked up. Right, right. Just got done paying. I turn around and my eyes catch another person's eyes. And I'm like, oh my gosh, hi, how are you? I was so excited to see that person that I almost had to hold myself back because first of all, I'm not seeing a lot of people this day, these days uh, face to face. And so it was just really great to see someone I knew and be in physical proximity to them. I bet. So, <laughs> I think it's going to be hard, Jen, not to bounce back to our old ways. So those close interactions, hugging, shaking hands, um, which may make others very uncomfortable based on their experience. And we really have to go into this understanding that 
our experience may be very different than someone else's. So it's really important to give ourselves space and grace. So, you know, in the office environment, I predict that obviously we're going to have to be prepared to keep our distance, to wear our mask. As you mentioned, smile with your eyes. <laughs> and the question back, so what do we do? Because we're not shaking hands anymore or maybe not for the very foreseeable future. Right. Well, my tips on that are put your hand over your heart or take two of your hands and cross them over your heart and clasp your hands. Doing so will cue the other person that A, you're not going to touch or get too close in proximity to them, making them comfortable. And that gesture conveys that you're being sensitive and that you're showing the emotional intelligence or EQ. Oh my gosh, that is such a good idea because it it exudes kind of a warm feeling to see someone do that. Either way, the the one hand as I was watching you, I was watching Nancy do that with she because she put her hand on her heart or clasped her hands in front of her. And it, it does, it gives you just like a nice peaceful feeling. But it's it is that cue that you're not gonna touch somebody, but you're trying to convey a warmth. Absolutely. And you know, we will get back to entertaining and socializing in restaurants. And I believe it's really important, especially now, to establish a rapport with various restaurants in your city or the cities that you travel to. You know, let them know that you're conducting business. Perhaps arrive extra early and scout out a specific table in advance that's distanced and not in a high traffic area. Provide your credit card information in advance to avoid that check presentation and payment transaction. And when dining, always remember, when you take off your mask, place it in your pocket or briefcase or purse. Never place it on the table. Mm. Those are great tactical items. Thank you so much. These are things that I've never heard before. Well, we haven't really had to think about that because no, we, the light wasn't that bright at the end of the tunnel. And thankfully, it's getting brighter. And, you know, you may be uncertain about attending parties in the weeks and months ahead. So if you're not comfortable accepting an invitation, let the host know. You so appreciate their gracious invitation. But however, at this time, you're not comfortable attending gatherings, but look forward to seeing them when the time is right. Mm -hmm. If you do accept an invitation and you find you're uncomfortable at a gathering for any reason, you know, if the event, Jen, is informal, unseated, you know, mid to large scale, feel free to leave and express your apologies afterwards. If it's a seated event, a smaller group, I encourage you to let the host know before you depart, all is fine. However, something's come up that you need to attend to and thank them again for the invitation. No further explanation is necessary. We're all going to find ourselves in situations where we feel comfortable and uncomfortable. And as a host, it's our job to do our best in that pre-planning to make sure our guests feel comfortable. 
so true. You know, and I think it's it's funny because some of these tips that you're talking us through, they're clearly applicable to post-pandemic life, if you will, or <laughs> the tail end of pandemic life, wherever we're at. Um, but they are things that could have always been in place or, or should have always been in place, but not everybody thinks of them. Not everybody knows them. And we've had this conversation before where some of these things seem like they should be inherent knowledge, but they're not unless you've been taught. Absolutely. And boy, once you know, you you feel so empowered and so ready to, to seize the day because you know how to behave. And when individuals know how to behave, they shine. That is exactly it. Empowered is the word. You are so right. And I mean, it's a tremendous gift that you're giving people by by conveying these different tips and tricks to them. Because, you know, as we go through and make these different transitions from the life that we're in now to moving into the future, I mean, there's just you see the memes and the posts on social media of people joking about, I don't know how to conduct myself anymore. <laughs> I don't know how to talk to people or, or, you know, congregate, anything like that. So thank you so much for sharing these with us. Well, it's truly my pleasure, Jen. I'm passionate about providing others with the tools necessary to distinguish themselves and enhance their personal brand. There's so much here. There really is. I feel like I, I would like to, uh, embark on some training myself. <laughs> Just, Just because, let me know when. Yes. Um, I also see, I would love to see you like on the news or something. I could see you being one of those specialists that come on to the news and, and share your tips and tricks there as well, because this was great stuff. Well, thank you. <laughs> Nancy, tell us where, where can we find you? How can we book your services? Absolutely, Jen. So you can connect with me via my website, The Magnetic Tooth. There, you can also request my virtual meeting tips and tricks. Ooh. I'm available via email at info at themagnetictruth.com. Or feel free to uh, connect with me via LinkedIn on the Magnetic Truth page or my personal page. Excellent. Perfect, Nancy. Thank you so much. Thank you for the opportunity to be a guest on your program and meet your listeners. I look forward to the opportunity to provide them with the tools necessary to distinguish themselves and outclass the competition. Sounds perfect to me. I think you'll be getting lots of calls after it is. Thanks so much, Nancy, and have a wonderful rest of your day. Thank you, Jen. Bye now. Bye.